Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. I've actually loved looking at the book of John, looking at the author, looking at his purpose. You know, often as a teacher, when you're looking at a book, a book study, you go, what's the author's purpose? Why have they written this piece of writing? Um, The book of John was obviously written by the disciple John. He was the disciple known as the one who loved Jesus. And it's pretty funny that he writes that about himself. Obviously, humility is not his greatest characteristic there. But I also believe that he loved Jesus equally, that he had encountered Jesus. And, you know, we're going to talk about through this um, season as we go through the book of John about following Jesus. You know, Jesus called John. He called all the disciples, but he called John and said, follow me. And John took up the invitation immediately. He was a fisherman, got out of his boat, packed his bag, and off he went to join Jesus on his ministry trip. And John writes the book, I think, in a way that leads us and encourages us to also accept the invitation of following Jesus. He writes about how encountering Jesus can transform your life in such a powerful way. You know, on Good Friday, I preached about the Samaritan woman that John writes about about her encounter with Jesus, about how she met him when uh, he was sitting by the well and she had come to draw water. And I love these stories that John brings to life about everyday people running into Jesus and Jesus transforming their life in such a powerful and real way. And John knew it firsthand. He had a wonderful relationship with Jesus and he wants to highlight that, that anybody... You don't have to be special. You don't have to have uh, an exceptional gift of, you know, amazing talents and whatever. That the everyday person like you and like I who just go about our lives trying to live a good life, that when we encounter and meet Jesus, everything can change and everything should change because in him is the life that we need, is the light that we need, is the hope and the freedom and the healing that only he can provide. Now, even if you've got a great spouse, even if you've got awesome friends and parents, and that's wonderful and I I pray that that is your story, but even at times that doesn't suffice. Sometimes there is such brokenness in our hearts in, you know, certain seasons that only the love of God can comfort that only him coming beside us, journeying with us and us journeying with him can help with. You know, I love and I'm going to speak on today the story of Nicodemus found in John 3. And Nicodemus was a very important and influential man in the Jewish society at the time. He was two things. He was a Pharisee. And he was a devout Jewish leader who was committed to the observation of the, the traditional and written law. You know, the Bible often speaks about the Pharisees as being hypocritical, as being too zealous, too religious, not having their hearts open to the Saviour coming. 
And that was Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. It was his job to pull people up if they were not doing the right thing, if they were not faithfully and obediently following every single aspect of the law. You know, oftentimes they were called hypocrites because they themselves weren't doing that, but they expected everybody else to observe strictly the law of the time. And he was also a member of the Sanhedrin. Now, I hate this word because I feel like I can't pronounce it right. So when I say it, judiciary, judiciary, thank you. I might not say it correctly. Don't judge me. I'm trying my best. Um, He was also a member of the Sanhedrin. So if you follow sport, there's often a judiciary. uh, And their job is to kind of review if you follow the NRL, you know, you're on report for a high tackle or whatever. During the week... The J team, judiciary team, they get together and they review the play and say, oh, yes, that you didn't follow the rules there and this is the outcome, this is your punishment or the consequence of your, you know, illegal tackle or whatever. Nicodemus was a part of that for the Jewish um, system, legal system as well. So not only was he a Pharisee who, who expected everybody to follow the strict um, rules and regulations of the law, he was also a part of the legal system, the court system of the day, which helped to rule and give out punishments for those who hadn't quite followed the rules. He had a really important reputation to uphold. People expected high things of himself, of him, and he expected high things of himself as well. Now, Jesus comes on the scene and he changes everything for the Pharisees because he is declaring that he's the Messiah, that he's the promised one, that he's the one that's going to help to save the Jews and the Gentiles alike. And the Pharisees did not like it. He offended them. He offended um, their religious nature. He offended the fact that the people were really in oppression under the law. And he said, you know, I'm coming to lift that off you. I'm not coming to get you know, say the law doesn't matter. I'm coming as a fulfilment of the law so that people no longer have to live under the strict nature of it. In Romans 6, 14 to 15, it says, sin is no longer your master for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we go on sinning? Of course not. And this is one of the issues that the Pharisees had. You know, if, if you're saying there's freedom and forgiveness and there's now this thing called grace, can people just do what they want? Is that the kind of system and society that we want? And Jesus was saying, no, of course not. Of course you should seek a life where you rid yourself of your sin and the things that, you know, bind you up and keep you down and all that kind of thing. But he was saying you no longer have to live like this. There is grace available and it was so offensive But Nicodemus saw something in Jesus. Nicodemus had his eyes opened enough to say, there's actually something about this Jesus guy. The miracles that he's performing, there's something about him being sent from God that I actually am believing in. I'm actually thinking this might actually be correct. But I don't want to say anything because I'm a member of the Sanhedrin and I'm a Pharisee and all my colleagues and all my friends are saying, you know what, this guy is going down. We're not having a bar of this. We're going to take this Jesus guy out. But there was something burning in Nicodemus's heart. And we first read about him in John 3 and I'm just going to read the first little bit in verses 1 to 2. 
It says there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. And we talked about in our Bible study group that you have to pay special attention to the words that the Bible gives you because they give you an insight into what's happening. Now, it could have just said that one day he came to speak to Jesus, but it specifies that he comes at night. And we chatted about how it required a lot of bravery for him to come at all. But the fact that he came at night, he had to come in secret. He couldn't let his powers on the, in the court system, he couldn't let his other Pharisee colleagues know that he was going to Jesus because he had a reputation to uphold. But the fact that he had these burning questions within his soul about who is this man, he had to be brave. He had to have a conviction in his heart. He had to have some kind of push to say, you know what? I could lose everything. And Nicodemus could off. He could have lost his job, his reputation, even his life if he was seen approaching Jesus. But still he came. A Christian author, Philip Yancey, says this, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night in order to avoid detection. He risks his reputation and safety even by meeting with Jesus, whom his fellow Pharisees had sworn to kill. But Nicodemus has a question, a burning question, the most important question that anybody could ever ask, who are you, Jesus? And so Nicodemus comes with his burning question and Jesus kind of gives this abrupt answer about being born again. And Nicodemus is like, oh, I'm a bit, I'm a bit confused. I've come to kind of inquire about who you are, but now you're talking about being born again. And Nicodemus is put in an awkward spot where he says, how can a man be born again? Can I re-enter my mother's womb? And Jesus is like, you're meant to be the top of the Jewish religious sect and you're asking me about what does it mean to be reborn. It's showing me that your religious nature, you haven't actually worked it out. And so they go on this kind of conversation about what it means to be born again, about how it's not a physical rebirth, but a birth of spirit, about the Holy Spirit coming in, about us laying down our lives, about us accepting Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. From here, we're not actually given an outcome of what happens what happens to Nicodemus after this conversation? Where does he go? What does he think? The Bible doesn't tell us that. And so we're kind of left in a place where we're like, Nicodemus has come to Jesus to say, who are you, Jesus? Tell me more. My friends are saying you're this and that and whatever, and they're, I'll give you a heads up, Jesus. They're out to get you. But I've come with a burning question about who you are, and you've told me about being born again and born of spirit. And so then we don't hear anything else of Nicodemus until a few verses later. And I love that there's been a transformation in his heart. Something has happened from the conversation that they first entered into. And, you know, when you come to Jesus, his words are life. It looked random. The conversation looked random. I've come to ask you questions and you're talking about being reborn and I don't want to think about re-entering my mother's womb. Like, this is all too much, Jesus. But Jesus knew him and Jesus brought life. And every word that he speaks to us is life and is healing and is love and is freedom. You know, you might have burning questions within your own heart today. You might have things where you think, oh, I don't really know about this or I don't know about that or I don't know about my relationship with Jesus 
but I'm not sure about asking someone. If you've got to come to Jesus in the secret of the night, come anyway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how broken your life is. It doesn't matter how many questions you have. It doesn't matter how many doubts you've had. Put your hand up if you're a Christian and you've ever had a doubt about this Christian life. Look around. We all have. And sometimes we feel like it's shameful to go to somebody else and go, you know what? I'm not too sure about this. Or the Bible says this, but I don't know if I agree or if I really want to do that. It doesn't matter. Come to him with your burning questions. Let him speak life into you. Come to him in his word. Open up the pages and let the words that he speak bring life to you. You know, when we um, re-enter, when Nicodemus re-enters the, the life, the pages of John, this is what happens. So Jesus is busy ministering. Some people are loving him. Some people are hating him. It's all a big division about is, is this the one, is this a saviour or is it not? So we pick up the story in John 7 verse 40. It said, when the crowds heard him say this, some of, the, some of them declared, surely this man is the prophet we've been expecting. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. So the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted to arrest him, but none laid a hand on him. And when the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? We have never heard anyone speak like this, the guards said. Have you been led astray too? The Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believe in him? This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on him. Then Nicodemus the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is even given a hearing, he asked. Here is this man who was so afraid to go in the, in the day, in the light, in public, to meet with Jesus. Now in front of everyone, he is standing up for Jesus and saying, it's not fair that we don't even give this man a trial. The leading Pharisees are mocking Jesus. They're mocking everyone who's believing in Jesus. They're asking, have you been led astray too? This is ridiculous. What do you see about this man? And something again rises up in Nicodemus. He's gone from shame, embarrassment about meeting with Jesus to openly standing up and saying, you know what? The way we're treating this man is not right. Doesn't he deserve a fair hearing? So something has happened between John 3 and John 7 that we don't know about. Something has changed in his heart. Surely there was an invitation at that time to follow Jesus. And Nicodemus has put his hand up and said, I'll follow you because your words are life, because you've transformed me, because something that you've said, something that you've done, I, I felt like I was drowning, but I put my hand up and you rescued me and you pulled me in and you saved me and you showed me grace when I didn't deserve it, when I mocked you, when I didn't believe in you, when I stood on the side of the others who said, this is not true, this is ridiculous. But when I said, you know what, I'm not living that way. I'm going with Jesus. And something radical has happened. He felt firsthand the love of Jesus. 
the mercy of Jesus poured out upon his life. And accepting that invitation changes you and I as well. You know, the last year about Nicodemus is in the end of the book of John. And this is the time where Jesus is being led to his death. So the Pharisees and the religious rulers think they have won. But you and I know that the end of the story is much different. That even when he died upon that cross, they still hadn't won. Because there was a victory waiting. There was resurrection Sunday coming. And the last time we hear about Nicodemus, he has been given one of the greatest privileges, I believe, to ever be recorded in the Bible. So let's read what happens in John 19, verses 38 to 42. So Jesus has died at this, at this point. He's been crucified. And it says, Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple, he was a secret disciple because he feared the Jewish leaders. This is how powerful they were, that people had to become secret disciples because they were so fearful of their life. He asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He bought about 75 pounds of perfume ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with spices in long sheets of linen cloth. They place, the place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation of Jewish Passover and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So here is Nicodemus, the man who was too afraid to come to the day, who encounters Jesus, who accepts an invitation to follow him, who has his whole life changed and transformed is now given the immense privilege of anointing, of wrapping, of caring for the beaten and broken and deceased body of our Saviour Jesus. And that is what can happen when you follow Jesus. Obviously, not physically, we're not going to be asked to do that to Jesus. That's, that's done and dusted, that role. But the privilege of belonging the privilege of being close to Jesus. And that's what John knew. John knew the privilege of being close to Jesus. John was close to him at the Last Supper. John was the one who reclined back on him. John knew the privilege of being close to Jesus. And Nicodemus had this amazing experience where once he was outside, once he was on the mocking team, but he came to Jesus. He asked, who are you, Jesus? And obviously, how can I be born again? How can I have my whole life changed? How can I experience your love and your forgiveness? To then saying, you know what? I'm not ashamed anymore. I'll stand up for him. I will journey with him. To being the one of only two men given the privilege of taking the body down and caring for it. You know, there's so much transformation that happens when we journey with Jesus. Being close with him is the greatest. You know, even mums today, walk closely with Jesus. Your husband needs you to, your family needs you to, your children need you to walk closely with Jesus because they need you to be transformed. You know, in and of myself... I would not be a good mum. I'm not patient enough. Not patient enough. Not, hey, you, put your hand down. 
not a good, got not a good enough cook probably, not enough veggies being cooked probably. Dan was away last week. I'm like, how many nights can we do takeout? Let's see, kids. Let's see. Can't do it all. Let's do Macca's drive-through. Um, but with him, with his help, when I accept the invitation to do my life with him, and I've said to people in the past, I don't know how anybody lives their life without him. You know, some, when life is great, you kind of go, oh, yeah, I could probably do this. Man, when life is hard, it's impo- for me, it is impossible to do it without him. Who would carry me the way that he can? Who would care for me the way that only he can? Who would love me the way that only he can with all my faults, with all my insecurities, with my brokenness, with all of that? But he's looked over it and he's asked me to come. He's asked me to be involved. He's asked me to journey with him. I might get Hendo to come back on the keys this morning. Why don't we close our eyes as we come to the close of our service this morning? Just like Nicodemus, who experienced Jesus firsthand. You know, he's obviously not here in real life in the service today. But his presence is, the Holy Spirit is. When Jesus went back to heaven, he left us the gift of the Holy Spirit because he knew we needed it. Because he knew that we'd all stuff up, we'd all get it wrong, we'd all want to give up. So he knew we needed the Holy Spirit. And today, it's the same invitation. Will you follow me? The same invitation that he gave to the disciples who were just going about their life. And Jesus gives an invitation. Will you follow me? And they accept that invitation. And their whole life is changed. You know, today your life can be changed You might still have the same job tomorrow, go home to the same house and all that is fine. But your heart could be filled with even more peace and joy and security with confidence and love. You are loved today. Your heavenly Father loves you. And he desires to walk in relationship with you. So even in your own heart today, just ask yourself, have I accepted the invitation to follow Jesus? Because he's calling today. And even like myself in that Cairns ocean, feeling like I was going to drown. And then I found a strong hand to pull me up and to pull me out. And that is the gift that God wants to give you today, to pull you out of sin. He forgives you today. You might have struggled to forgive yourself for lots of things. But because of the crucifixion, because of the pouring out of the blood of Jesus, you are forgiven today. That there is grace in abundance available to you. 
There is mercy today. And there is love like you've never experienced. So accept his invitation today into a wonderful life filled with joy and peace and the goodness of God. We thank you for it. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the writer of the book of John, the disciple John, who wants our eyes opened to the goodness of Jesus about how walking with him is the best possible life. We thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.